All right, let's talk about longevity for a second. Did you know that 75 to 100% of brain autopsies from Alzheimer's brain banks were found to have Lyme disease? Meaning 75 to 100% of people who died from Alzheimer's, a neurodegenerative disease, when their brains were autopsied, they found the bacteria that is responsible for Lyme disease, known as Borrelia burgdorferi. And these findings are consistent across multiple brain banks and were even confirmed in a recent Harvard review. This makes a very strong case that Alzheimer's, dementia, perhaps to some degree Parkinson's, although there's a stronger pesticide connection there, and cognitive decline may be connected to the bacteria that causes Lyme disease and that bacteria more specifically getting into the brain. There's a lot of talk in the health and biohacking space about longevity. And so-and-so thinks they're going to live to 180, yet somehow looks old for their age. I'm not trying to be a dick here. I'm just stating the obvious. And other people are suggesting molecules like NAD or NMN or practicing fasting to activate longevity pathways. There's even physicians that are talking about using drugs like rapamycin that are known to inhibit and suppress the immune system and how those are being used for longevity by dampening a growth pathway known as mTOR, which seems a little bit counterintuitive, how suppressing the immune system could actually make you live longer. I don't know. We'll see on that one. And this is great and all, but I think we need to kind of address the elephant in the room here. And that is that 80% of us, which means four out of every five people are going to die from just one of three things, cancer, heart disease, or neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia. That means if you don't know what actually causes cancer, heart disease, neurodegenerative disease, how to test for it because your doctor doesn't, and how to get rid of them and bring the body back into balance, then the odds are you're going to be in that 80% of people dying from one of those three things. And in that case, the only thing we're really biohacking with all these longevity supplements and practices, it's our imagination. I'm not trying to be a dick here. I'm just, I feel like we need to have this conversation and get it out in the open. So this is why I've created our Apex Longevity Code coaching program, where we test you for over 50 different types of cancer. We test you for Lyme disease, parasites, yeast and fungal infections that have been connected to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, cognitive decline, even brain fog and chronic fatigue. And we utilize gold standard labs to assess your cardiovascular and cerebrovascular risk factors, all in one fell swoop, giving you the peace of mind that comes with knowing exactly what's going on in your body and that you are minimizing your risk of the things that kill 80% of people. Again, cancer, heart disease, and neurodegenerative disease. I'll then customize you a program to give you complete control of your longevity and empower you to stay healthy for life. But we don't stop there. But wait, there's more. We'll also measure your biological age. That's different from your chronological age. Your biological age is how old you are at the cellular level and your rate of aging. And then tailor your biohacked game plan so you not only look and feel younger, but you are actually younger biologically at the cellular level by using leading edge tools and practices personalized and customized for you. This is for men over 30 who have more money than time, who want to increase both their lifespan 
and their health span and take control of their body, mind, future, and health. It's especially powerful if you want more energy, a better body, a sharper mind, deeper, more restful sleep, heightened libido, to look years younger, and to feel like you're truly firing on all cylinders. I'm only offering this to a few men who see the value in getting this handled and are in a position to start right away. To be clear, I don't practice medicine. More specifically, I don't examine, diagnose, treat, offer to treat, cure, or attempt to cure any physical or mental disease or disorder. I don't recommend or prescribe any medications or pharmaceutical drugs or recommend any changes in dosages of legally prescribed medications or drugs. The Western medical system has that stuff covered, and it would be illegal for anyone to engage in those practices without a medical license. I use science-based labs to gather data and to quantify your health and risk of all-cause mortality, then provide you with a personalized game plan to live better, longer. All of this so that you're in a better position than the vast majority of people who statistics show will end up dying from either cancer, heart disease, or neurodegenerative disease. So if you're interested in seeing if you're a fit for the Longevity Code coaching program, text your full name and the reason you'd like to be a part of it to 847-989-3743. You can also go to biohackercoaching.com and book a time to talk with myself or someone from my team. That number again is 847-989-3743. And the website is biohackercoaching.com. Thanks for your time. Sherry Fernandez, welcome to the Biohacking Secrets Show. Thanks, Anthony. Glad to be on your show. Now, for the people listening, Sherry and I are going to recap a little bit of what we just covered um, before the browser and uh, software that we use to record the podcast crashed on us. Um, but you guys are really going to like this episode. We're off to a great start. So Sherry, you wrote a book called Life Mastery, Personal Progression Toward uh, an Infinite Potential. And you teach people a lot about personal development, mindfulness, how to change yourself, essentially, on a personal level in your relationships. And you've done this yourself. Um, before we kind of get into some of the nitty gritty and the tactics that you cover in Life Mastery and some actionable steps that our listeners can apply to their own lives, maybe you could get, give us a little bit of your backstory and uh, how you got here. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we, we, um, I think I'm going to start here at the beginning. Uh, just to this interesting uh, childhood. My parents got divorced when I was in this early 60s. And we moved to this little town in Utah. So it's not really done, right? And my mom was in overhead four little girls. And she, and she married a guy that kind of guy that marries a woman with four little girls. You know what I'm saying? So mm. I was just kind of left to wander a lot. But I got in my head that I was somebody special. I just knew I was going to do some really great thing. I didn't know what that would even be like. Uh, I just knew I was going to be glamorous and it was going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and then I kind of, as the, my parents got back together, as the years went on, I got caught up in the 60s uh, hippie lifestyle, especially after I graduated at 17. So from then, from those years following, um, and it disintegrated. <laughs> well, I, I, I ended up getting pregnant and then um, I decided just some stability from my daughter and I got married. Those are two things I'd never planned to do, so be married or have children. And then I decided that feeling of, that I was somebody special and I wanted something came back, but we were so, we were so poor. We didn't have any skills, no education. And we were just struggling, working 
between his three jobs to put food on the table. So I just started listening to some of the masters and I was motivated. I knew I could do some great things. I just needed some direction. And uh, so I went to town working on myself, developing the disciplines that I didn't have. I started with some real basic ones and, and added to those and became over the years, a very disciplined person, which has given me a lot of freedom and opportunity to grow. Okay. A couple, couple questions before we get into the disciplines that you started with and then how you kind of built from there. Um, did, was there anything epic that you're really excited that you got to experience when you were going through that hippie lifestyle, like a, a band, a musical group that you got to see an artist, like <laughs> some cool experience. Like, cause I think there's probably a lot of people listening that, you know, went to high school, went to college, got, got a job, got married, had a kid and didn't have that period. Yeah. You know, that are curious, like, oh, I wonder what that would be like, you know? I think for me, um, I'd had a serious boyfriend in high school and I would have totally married him, but I just, I didn't want to tie myself down. What I want to do was, I just, and I still have this feeling inside me that I want to touch and see and feel and do everything. Now I just channel it to more positive things rather than <laughs> sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But I really did feel like I just needed to see what the world was about. I just wanted to, unfortunately, I was, I mean, I did some hitchhiking and a lot of crazy things and tried some drugs I should not have tried, <laughs> mm-hmm. but not for, not often, but enough that I, I could have been damaged, but I wasn't. And I, I think I had that experience. I saw what that side looked like. And then that also thought wasn't going to get, go anywhere for totally. me. I wanted something more than that, but I know that there's anything particular. We did see the outdoor bands of that era, you know, yeah. um, pick up uh, concerts in the parks and, and uh, lived in the mountains, you know, for a while without plumbing. <laughs> it was kind of a cool yeah. thing to do. So yeah. you've done it. And, uh, so I did have, and I made some good friends, um, but I don't know if there's anything terribly value about it, valuable about it, except that I know what that part looks like. And right. I don't have any, I don't have any longing to go back. Uh, sure, it was fun. Sure. It was fun, but it was time to grow up and um, this life is better. hundred <laughs> percent. So you, you, you had a, a daughter and experienced mm-hmm. the pain of trying to make ends meet and feeling like yeah. you guys were just working all the time and still stressed financially. So you started, what were some of the most in, influential books or resources? I mean, were you listening to like Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar yeah. or who, who Zig was Ziglar. It? Yeah. First one was, I picked up this book on my mother's coffee table. I didn't do, she wasn't going to read it. it was Zig Ziglar see at the top and started with that. Um, my, I, we didn't know this when we got married, but my husband's similar, similar feelings and he had, had a goal to be worth a million dollars when he was 40. So when we started picking these things up, we were both doing it. He would listen to certain kinds, more business and finance. I listened to more personal development and then we would share, compare notes and things and we'd work on things together. But yeah, Brian Tracy, um, Mm -hmm. Wayne Dyer was really influential for me and for both of us really. Uh, He was, he was one of my favorites. Um, Hiram Smith and, a few people like that. I mean, the, the Franklin planner system and some of that stuff were things that we got into, but I still, Jim Rohn, I still can listen to Jim Rohn smile every time. I know, I know everything he's going to say. I've listened so many times, but yeah, I yeah. still can enjoy uh, Jim Rohn. He was a master. They're great. There was They're some great. that didn't, didn't resonate with me. You know, I never was a Tony Robbins fan, but right. um, those guys, those old masters, what I liked about them, Anthony, is this, is they went, they did something and then they taught it. You know, some of them like, not to pick on, <laughs> on Tony Robbins, but he just jumped right into telling other people how to live, right? Mm-hmm. These other guys, they went and they made their money, they made their mark, and then they went 
and taught what they learned to other people. Mm-hmm. And I feel strongly that this is the way it ought to be done. You go do something, then come back and tell me how it's done. Don't just, don't give me your philosophies. <laughs> or, or, or create, you know, create philosophies that are essentially just a consensus of everything that's on the internet and, and right. Amazon. You know, there's right, so many right. people now, like, I think there's been a coaching bubble that's burst where so many coaches came out of the woodwork that hadn't achieved the results that they are teaching for themselves prior to taking on clients. And they maybe learned how to sell high ticket and a bunch of people got burned and are sort of like now a little bit disillusioned. Like there's not a lot of people that are in a financial position to spend 10, 15, $25,000, like multiple times on coaches. And with all these new coaches, you know, promoting themselves on social media, People, you know, I think the bubble's bursting basically because yeah, yeah the, the, this wasn't, they didn't follow procedure and learn it and apply it in their own life before it. teaching. No. It was like, oh, this is what all the books say. So yeah. it must be right. <laughs> I did. I read an article. I took a weekend course. No, this is totally on my mind a lot. And the world is full of the people. I mean, if you have a 25 year old that wants to be a your life coach for you and you think, what could you know at 25? I'm not saying that they don't, they're not smart, but you can have enough experience to have applied the principles that you're teaching to know that they work. What's mm-hmm. very popular now too, if you're going to write a book is you do a bunch of research. Like you said, it's a consensus of what's out there, mm-hmm. but what have you done personally? Like exactly we have, in our house, we say you never hire a fat coach, you know, mm-hmm. trainer, fat trainer. Mm-hmm. You want people to teach how to live. That's already successfully done it. And that's what I like about those old masters. They, they were successful in things that they taught. And in my book, I just to give a, a, a plug because I'm very proud of this, that I didn't put anything in there because I heard it was a good idea or I read it and thought that was mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, Everything yeah. I wrote, I had done myself for a long time, taught other people successfully. I knew, I knew them to be true principles, yeah. both by my own experience and the success in other people's lives that I watched. And I did read about them too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I proved it first and I was very careful to not put in anything I just thought was a good idea in there. And 100%. I read those kind of books and they're great for a little while, but they, they were thin because I want to know what the guy he wrote the book is doing with it. Yeah. yeah. Information. 100%, 100%. yeah I want to see what you do with it rather than just write a book about it. Totally. And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about this because when we were talking about how you started applying these first three daily disciplines, you like made yourself a list and you would check them off. Then it became four. Then it became five. Um, I've, I've done that for years. I've like a dry erase board on the, on the fridge. And I've got, you know, the different things that I want to do each day in, in uh, sequential order but I do get away from it at times, you know, I'll go on vacation or I just, I I don't even hardly watch TV, but I just started getting into Yellowstone and, you know, I put on an episode of Yellowstone at 9 PM. Next thing I know it's after midnight, I'm just binging, you know, and I'm like, there goes my, there goes my dry erase board checklist, you know, go to bed on time. And and it it, it can happen, right. It can, it can happen. So I'm curious, like what were the first three disciplines that you started with? What did you add on? And, and, um, and then we'll kind of get into like consistency in your book and some of the other things you teach, but let's start with those disciplines. Like for you, when you made this choice to get your ish together, you may not be very impressed. (laughs) My first three disciplines was I wanted to, I needed a lot and I knew I needed a lot of help and I felt like I needed, I needed help beyond myself. So my first discipline was I needed to pray every morning. I just needed that power that I got from that. And I knew that that would help me because it helped me when I was a little girl. And then I was journaling. How do you do that? About what? How, How do you pray? 
on my knees to God in heaven. He's got more power than I've gotten. And with a lot of need and begging, and I do it to this day, I need, I want so much out of life. And I figure this, I mean, I do believe God and that he answers prayers, but if there's even a chance that my day might be better by doing that, I want it. And so every day I'm driven to my knees and I started back then because I thought, well, we were so far in, we were with so far to go. We couldn't, I don't think we could have done it on ourselves. I needed some other power. And um, I feel still like that. Even this morning before I have my interview with you, I want to make sure that maybe I will help and maybe it won't, I, but I'm going to do it just in case. Right. right. And I want to make sure that I'm a good, I'm a good interview for you and I can help your show go. And so to this day, I still have that habit. So that was one journal writing was one. Some wise guy said you should write a journal. And I said, all right, <laughs> I'll do that. And let's see, that third one was reading every day. And so um, I started there. And then I added uh, working out pretty quickly. I worked out every day and planning my day. Those were So those were my first five, really. Did those first three for about a year or two. And then I added the other two, planning my day and exercising. And meanwhile, at the end of the, you know, shock you here, but I ended up with six kids during this whole process. So oh, we, wow, we had five more children. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm having kids. We, I went from this hippie, wild lifestyle who never wanted children and never wanted to be married to, to a whole nother, invented myself into a whole nother way to now I'm a wife and I've got, I'm a mother and I'm the church lady and I'm the PTA president, <laughs> that kind of lifestyle. Um, but along the way, I thought I can have, I, I believe that I could have six kids and still have a sexy rock and hot body. I thought I could do that. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to go out and prove it. I felt like for one thing, girls needed to know that you could have it both ways. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to prove it. And I did that and that I could be educated, even though I missed my formal education, that I could be educated. So I went to town on that and that I wanted to have a deep, meaningful, spiritual life. And I went to town on that and um, just everything that's, and, and my relationship. I had not wanted to be married, but I put myself in a situation where I was I, I wanted stability for my daughter. So I was like, going to have marriage is going to be the best marriage possible. I just thought that I can have the best marriage better than anything ever, ever had before. I can do that. And so I went to town on that. And so I, all those things I achieved. I'm 67. I can still rock a bikini. I've got a great marriage. We've been married 45 years. I've got six kids. I'm close to all of them. I'm well-educated. Fantastic. This is very, very impressive. And you do that through daily disciplines. You do yeah. that through a little tracking sheet that I made. Every day you're doing certain things and that's it. how you, you build a life like that. So you had pray, journal writing, reading, and then you added working out and planning your day. Mm-hmm. Are, are all of those still a part of your daily routine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah you said about vacations. I have some things that are non-negotiable. I don't care. We travel a ton, like a lot. So if I didn't do them, you know, we travel a lot. Mm-hmm. So I've got some things, even when I travel, they're just non-negotiable. I have a couple of things that. I try, try and make sure I get them in if I can, but I'm not going to have other people waiting for me if I'm traveling mm-hmm. with other people, like meditation. It's a, meditation is important to me, and I want to do it every day, but I'm not going to have people like, sorry, I can't make it for 20 minutes. I have to meditate. You know what I mean? I don't want to be mm-hmm. that person. That's mm-hmm. So I meditate if I can, but I don't want to inconvenience somebody to do it. But but the, the praying, and, and the reading. people think you're uh, mentally unstable if you don't meditate. I know. They're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> it's all about you. You know, but there's some things I just make sure they happen. Like the, yeah. the, the I do a devotional reading and I do reading. You know, there's some things I just want. I want too much. I don't want to give a day up. Mm-hmm. And then there's some things I just don't do when I'm on vacation. It's just not that important. Track my water. I mean, it just doesn't really matter that much. 
so I don't even bother with it. So, right. but there's some things I want, what I want to be is more important than taking the day off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you yeah, can yeah. do it. You can do have a really fun day and still make time for some essential things that are important to you. I agree. I agree. And now I don't, I want I don't want to be redundant here, but I am curious because I've spent a, a lot of time on prayer over the past five years or so. And there's one of the challenges that more people have been forthcoming and expressing is that they don't really know how to pray. And, oh. and it, like, I do agree with when I asked one of my friends that question in 2018, he said, you know, I recommend getting on your knees and mm-hmm. starting with something along the lines of dear God, it is yeah. my intention to establish a deeper relationship with you. If you are willing to make your presence known, I promise to be aware enough to recognize it when it occurs. I love it. That's giving me goosebumps when you said that. Now, you know, here's an interesting thing, Anthony, you, you might be surprised at. I have, I have coached or mentored. We call it mentoring because I've been there, right? So it's more like mentoring. Um, I, a lot, a lot of people. And mm-hmm. I have never yet, no matter what their religious persuasion or what I thought going into it, I have never yet had anybody that I've ball back and started thinking back if I'd never had anybody. So I didn't really track it at the time, but I can't think of one person who didn't want that habit, that prayer habit in their lives. Isn't that interesting? Really? Even atheists, religious people, non-religious. Well, I, I don't know that an atheist would probably come to me. Maybe if there okay. even is real, I don't know. I really don't know about atheists. I don't know. I don't know any real ones, you know, seriously. So you put, you put your faith out there enough that the people that find you have some degree of belief in a higher power in God. I think I don't really like put it out particularly. I just think it emanates from me. Like it's just, um, it's part of who I am mm-hmm. and I feel deeply about it. I don't push it. I mean, I, when people come to me, I ask what habits do you want to develop? Yeah. What do you want to do? What would be the top of your list? Mm-hmm. And usually it's just a, almost everybody's top three. And so then we talk about just what you said on your knees out loud to a power that is greater than you to a God who is a parent, not a vengeful, uh, you can't believe you did that type of kid kind of, kind of dad, you know, but a right. parent who, a loving parent who really wants the best for you and will help if you ask. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're willing to listen and, and I, and I have believed in that power. I, I mean, that, that, that's, that it flows out of me. I would never begin a day in, in heaven for decades without prayer. I just wouldn't and end it without prayer. Just and that prayer includes who you want to become, areas of your life that you need help with, um, things that you'd like to bring into your life that maybe you don't feel you can do on your own. Are there any other Mm -hmm. components that you typically include in your prayer? Well, gratitude, but I don't feel like going. I'm not. I've never done it, but I don't feel like going to God with a shopping list of things I'd like. Right. That's what I was trying to. I'm trying to be. I think it's easy to do that. You know. Yeah, it is really easy. Like, could you, or asking people to change, could you help so-and-so be different? No right. way. I've learned, I mean, I've learned the hard way, not your children, not your spouse. You don't pray, you, you just, it's about this person that I'm trying to be. I want to be the person with, I want to meet my potential as much as I can in this life. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking for help for to do those things and also to guide me in the things that are most important. I might think this one thing over here is important. Right now I'm doing a lot of prayer about, mindfulness and meditation and being present because I don't want to be led astray. You know, I don't want to be led down some weird path. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure it's consistent with all the other truths that I know. Mm -hmm. And I don't jump on some weird bandwagon. So, you know, I pray a lot about that. And then I pray to love people beyond myself, my own ability, because I can't make a difference 
I can't make a difference in somebody else's life unless I love them. And I have to love them like harder than what I'm capable of. I think Mm -hmm. my children, Mm -hmm. for example, who are now all about middle-aged, right. And I still, Mm -hmm. I still worry about them and I still concerned about them and, and they're still so important to me that I pray hard to love them enough that I can be a leader and a presence for them. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. How do you, um, how do you cultivate love when you're experiencing frustration or anger with a person or, you know, the quote unquote (laughs) masses, you know, like that, that was one of the things that I've worked on a lot in the past few years, because there's been a number of times where I've been frustrated where, by, by how the masses handle certain things that have been going on. And, um, and, and when I start noticing myself getting angry or like, you guys are so freaking stupid. You're ruining it for all of us. <laughs> I'm like, no, like that's evil. You know, like I'm allowing myself to be evil, occupied, yeah. like these negative emotions and thoughts, that's evil. And that's mm-hmm. my problem that I need to yeah. address. You yeah, know, how about, do you handle about, that? It's about you, right? I mean, it's about yeah. me and I know what you're talking about. Like you're thinking, oh, you know, they used to say, oh, you could say anything you want about somebody if you just said, bless their heart first. <laughs> it's like, oh, bless their heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but in real, really, I think. Bless it's your about heart. Me. Take off the freaking bless mask. Your bless your heart. heart. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing that for? Don't you know how stupid that is? It doesn't work like um, that, Anthony. <laughs> I try to. It is, it's a struggle. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I, I think naturally I'm, I'm a fairly judgmental person. And so I, it's, it's, I just remember it's about me if I'm feeling that way. It's not about them because they're doing what they know. And for whatever reason, they're doing it. But the other thing is, there's a waste of my creative energy to want somebody to be different. I can't, only thing I can do is influence me. So for me to say, why are you doing that? And, and have any kind of upset in me, all that does is rob me mm-hmm. of my peace. And so I just try to pull it back to me. And then I do, I, I teach and believe in daily affirmations, written daily affirmations ones that you carry over day after day after day. So in my affirmations, I have that I look for the good in the world and people. Um, mm, I like that. That I'm, I laugh, I smile, I'm friendly, because that helps a lot. You know, if you have, mm-hmm. if you have a commitment to smile, laugh, and be friendly, you can't be judgmental at the same time. Right. So I have some affirmations like that that help me too. But it's a struggle, but it's just bringing it back to yourself. And that's the only thing you can make it, you know, Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I just, if I'm, if I'm cranky about somebody else's behavior, I'm just making the world a lesser place. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm not saying I did this perfectly. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm working on it. Right. Yeah. Me neither. Obviously. I, I think, I think all of us expressing some of our challenges helps us to grow and, and, and learn how to, how to, um, you know, o- o- overcome some challenging periods in our life. So, um, so we've got a lot now. You're talking about prayer, meditation, journal writing, reading a devotional. I'm curious what those devotionals are for you. I've got um, one here that was recommended by a past guest on the podcast, Whispers of Hope. Oh. And then I've got a book called uh, God Calling that a friend and client um, recommended that's written by this guy, AJ Russell. So like a lot of times I'll get I'll get my espresso in the morning and I'll be sipping that and read a little bit of a devotional or... Um, you know, something, something along those lines, but what, what devotionals are your favorites? Um, and, you know, and then let's talk a little bit about journaling and how you do that. One of my great loves 
um, and this is probably going to come off as a, a weird thing because I'm some religious zealot, which I don't think I am, but I just love it for itself, is um, I'm a bit of a, a scriptorian. So I love the Bible. I'm right now doing the New Testament, just loving it. The New Testament was the first thing I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. So those scripture-based, those uh, Christian-based scriptures like that. But I've read others, you know, the the Tao. Um, um, mm-hmm. Tao Te Ching. Yeah, the Tao Ching and, and other kinds of, and I'm reading another book uh, by this couple who write really deep Christian thought, um, Terrell and Fiona Gibbons, called um, The God Who Heals. So I'm reading that as deep stuff. <laughs> Every time I read something like them, it makes my head hurt. Um, they're they're great. And so I read some stuff like that. Um, I, do, I would do both. I always do something in some kind of scripture study type thing. And then I'll read. I have another book going. Um, I'm reading. I'm listening to and going to. And I read it before, but I didn't think it sunk in. Uh, the Power of Now by Eckhart mm-hmm. Tooley. I'm just yeah. finishing listening to that. I'm just going to start reading it so I can underline all the things that I like. Mm-hmm. Um so things like that. Cool. Um, in just a moment, I'd like to kind of talk about your book, Life Mastery, and and some of the things. That's that a good one. There. Yeah, we, we should probably talk about that at some point. Um, we'll talk about the Bible, then we'll talk about your book. <laughs> yeah, right under that. <laughs> you're in you're in good company. Um, what what are your thoughts? This is more of a curiosity question, but I was reading the Book of Revelation the other day, and my brother came in and he was like. He's like, you're start, he's like, you're kind of starting with revelation, huh? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm looking if there are any parallels and, th- and that sort of thing, you know, fun Mark of the Beast talk. And uh, he's like, well, yeah, he's like, that's one of the books that's like a little bit suspect in the Bible and like whether it was actually, you know, written and, and you know, passed down by, you know, God and Moses and, and, and the different disciples of Jesus, or if it was like added after. Do you have any thoughts on revelation or... Um, as it pertains to anything going on in the world or whether it's something you've read and, and reflected on or, eh, or no. <laughs> I haven't read recently, but it's what, I have read it a lot and I have replaced a lot on it. And I have, I have a gazillion notes in, on it. Um, it's, uh, what can I say? I mean, we could you want to spend an hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's, this is what, this is a, a vision that John the beloved saw who was left on the earth indefinitely to for to have a different kind of mission and he sees this vision and of course it's all really terrible very symbolic mm-hmm. um numbers are very symbolic in in hebrew and the aramaic so numbers a lot of the numbers things are symbolic i think it well i don't think it has a lot to do with um a historical war in heaven before we all got here mm-hmm. and it reflects on what the end of the world will be in um one wise man said it was one of the clearest books ever written. I was like, oh, he's smarter than me. Um, he, was he was smarter <laughs> than me. Um, there's a lot. I think it's, I would, I would look at the symbolism, but yes, I do believe it's, it's a vision that he had. And I believe it's an inspired vision. And I think if you spend some time studying it, um, the deeper you get into it, the more real it will become and the less weird it will be. It's not as weird right off. You're like, oh, there's a beast and there's these seven candlesticks. Like, what does all this mean? Uh, but got with a sword a coming of, out of his mouth. Right. If you get a good, you got to be careful what kind of commentary you get. Uh, get something that's not too weird out there, something that's been well-respected. But a good commentary can help mm-hmm. on that. But yeah, I do believe it's the word of God directly. Well, we have a bunch of translations of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's been through the hands of a lot of people, including right. a corrupt 
Aramaic um, to yeah. other languages and to Greek and to then, other languages. It's yeah, to the uh, yeah from the he from the Aramaic into the to the Greek for sure, and then the Greek to the Latin, mm-hmm. and the Latin to the English, and mm-hmm. and then some of these have been done by corrupt people. But I think that's why it's it's kind of in code, right? Mm-hmm. So that the truth can get through, and and those who were not inspired could not damage it because they didn't know what it was about. I'm getting off on a tangent here, but no, you just keep reading it. And the more you read it, the more, and the more you just understand a few of the symbols and principles and the history, Mm -hmm. I think it will become more real for you. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations, putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass. I was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of powerful natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts and my hair is coming in thicker and it even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. Now back to the show. Let's talk about your book, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Towards an Infinite Potential. What inspired you to write that book? And uh, what are what are some of the, the things that we need to know about it? I, you know, I spoke for years and I'd speak on different topics and things. And people would say almost, I mean, all, really almost every time you should write a book. And every time I would say, not a writer, <laughs> I'm a speaker. And I really felt like that. Now I had my my fitness business for uh, 10 years. I did start writing a blog for that. because I had information that I wanted to get out. So I did do that writing, but I never intended to. And then um, I, I did a workshop and there was a couple there that I really respected their uh, educators and, and well-known in this part of Boise, this end of Boise. And my, I known them through my kids and things. Anyway, I really respect these people. And he said, well, he said to her and she said to me, he said, you need to write a book. And I just, I tell you, mom told Ken that. And he said, really, you should. 
it's time. And I'd already been feeling like I have all this information and I can only work with so many clients uh, and I don't do a lot because I try to keep my lifestyle. Uh, so I only work with a handful at any given time. Well, at that rate, and I'm not getting any younger, uh, at that rate, I'm not going to be able to reach very many lives with the things that I know. And so I felt like it was time to put the book and see if I could. I didn't write it to build a career on like a lot of these kind of books are written so somebody can have a career and write a new, another book next year. Mm-hmm. I don't intend to do that. I put everything I know in this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of a one and done for me at this point. But I just felt like it was time and the book just flowed out of me. It just I had some times where I was driven to my knees for some help. But mostly I just taught the things that I knew, told the stories that I've told when I'm speaking, mm. um, gave some history of my own life and how I learned it. So I, I did I did explain often how I learned certain things to be true. Um, it's just kind of came about. I really wrote it and it took me maybe six months. We still were traveling during that time a lot. So it, it came pretty quickly, but I, I think it's pretty good. It gets really good reviews. I think it's pretty good. We sell quite a few of them. Fantastic. What, what, what your writing process, we'll talk about the content and you know, what, what you've got in there in just a second, but I'm curious about your writing process. Cause like you hear stories about authors like Stephen King, who, you know, first thing every morning he sits down and has to write for X amount of hours, four or five hours or something like that, no matter what. And, and he, he carves out that time every day. To I caught up to but not first thing in the morning because I have all those that list of things on my tracking sheet. <laughs> so you do that like in the workout and all this stuff. So yeah. I would say in the afternoons, but a couple of times I did a retreat for a couple of days so I could really pour myself into it. I just get away and I got a, in the mountains. I got a hotel room once and once I went to the ocean and, and spent a couple of days there just to kind of go through it. But mostly because I, I had so much going on here, but I just kept too many interruptions. Mm-hmm. So I did that um, mostly just tried to get out at two or three days a week, two hours a day. And, and it just, it came out pretty quick. The third part, part three was a little harder to explain how to do tracking sheets and how to do some of the, the actual hands-on things that you do, the things I was missing. That was harder to explain in writing, but the rest of it, I, what I did when I started to, is I thought, I don't know how to write a book. And then I just said, well, I'm a good speaker and people like to listen to me speak. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people say, I could listen to you all day. I think, really? You should tell my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, I'll just write it the way that I speak. Well, that doesn't really work, but it got me started. Or I would say, how would I explain this to an audience? Right. And that would sometimes help me. And so were you, we a, were you recording yourself and then transcribing it? or No, I just sat down and, and I'm not even a typist. I sat down and picked it out on my laptop. and. Yeah. And it's about, it's about um, 65,000 words. I mean, it's not, a, you know, it's a fairly significant book, mm-hmm. but I had a, I wanted to cover, I covered all the practices that I teach. But so I, I that's part one is why you have to have a strong, why do this daily work every day. You got some good reasons. Yeah. And then I have a couple of um, tools in there to help, like having a mission statement having a, a governing values, having a big dreams list of big things you want to accomplish. It isn't a complete why, but it kind of builds your why. So part one's about that. Part two are about eight areas. Like it's not to be just successful. We always talk about successful. We're talking about people in business, right? Oh, there's successful businessman. Oh, there's a successful person. It's always about to be a successful person. You have to have, um, take care of your body and you have to have care of your spirit and you have to be educated and you have to have good character and, 
um, you need to have a vocation and build grow in your vocation. So when I work with people, we work with these eight areas. So part two are just a little bit on each of the eight areas and to get people started. Here's some ideas and things you might be thinking about. Decide how you can grow in this area. One is on spirituality. So that's tricky because you're trying to reach a whole broad spectrum of people and their spiritual experiences. But that's one of my favorite, favorite chapters. Um, money, of course, one on money, because that's important. So anyway, eight areas. And then part three is how. This is how you do a tracking sheet. This is how you set your goals. This is why smart goals are a bad idea. And this is it. And there's an assessment in which you can get on the website too for free. There's an assessment on on how you're doing all, right what's now. The, and what's all the It's lifemasteryinfo.com. There's a free assessment and there's a free reading list. I've had those things available before the book. Um, tracking sheets. You can download free tracking sheets there. I'm such a believer in the tracking sheets. I've given them away for a decade. Um, anybody that wants them. And you can make your own, but you know, why reinvent the wheel? And so those are available on the website too. And of course the books on Amazon. And this, I did the audio, I did the audiobook. I finished that this year. I was kind of proud of myself for that. I nice. did it myself. That's on so, Audible too. It's on Audible. Yep. It's on how, Audible. I've mastered. How many hours is that? Oh. Hmm. Eight? I don't know. Probably about that. That's probably about, about eight, eight hours. Yeah. So for the for hours. the people that that agree that uh, they could listen to you all day. Picking up, picking up life, life mastery on on audiobook is a good place to start. It's not the same as being on a stage. If I'm on a stage, I can just, I can all my personality and I can just let go and I use my hands and, and I'm not, I mean, and I don't use notes. Um, but then when you're reading the book, you have to read every word because you get off. Then yeah. this poor tech guy's got to fix it, you know? And so you have to actually read every word. So, you know, I'm a novice, but this is a kind of book you don't, you don't have somebody else read for you. It's just totally. not done. Yeah, yeah, I do have an unusual would. voice. So it, it, I, it, it could trip some people up, but Jim Rowan has an unusual voice and we all listen to him. So and Zig, a lot and of those Zig guys. Too. Oh, even, yeah. even Napoleon Hill, who's like, Oh yeah, he's dull. He's, yeah, he's, and you know, who's really dull is to listen to is Brian Tracy. And I was pretty sure I could read he better than, than that. Yeah. yeah he, he is pretty subdued. Yeah. Um, yeah. I read his book on how to write a book before I kind of dictated slash, oh, slash wrote mine in 2016. And, but I I'm, I'm yet to feel the desire to write something else oh, <laughs> um, yeah. or go through that, go through that birthing process yeah. again. Um, so a couple of things, and I want to come back to the why for like the people who know they need to make some of these changes, but they haven't really got their why drilled down. And maybe we could, we could talk about that a little bit because getting started is sometimes quite, quite a hurdle, uh, for a lot of us, but, um, you're, you live in Boise. Are you familiar? Do you know Russell Brunson? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had, yeah, I had lunch with him once a while back. And um, when I was starting my business, he was just getting out there. Um, he was one, one of my, the guy that I actually um, nurtured into taking over my business. And he, they were kind of friends. And yeah, but yeah. So do you know Russell then? That's cool. Yeah, we're we're business partners on Biohacking Secrets. And like, we've got some cool stuff that we're, we're planning for. Huh? I don't know what yeah. he's. I don't know what he's doing anymore. I don't keep track with it anymore. But yeah, just, he's, he's got click funnels and a whole bunch of different different yeah. businesses and, and and things. He's involved in five kids, you know. So he stays he stays pretty busy. Um, but that's that's really cool. So someone listening who's maybe been dealing with, um, you know, I just had a girl reach out to me today that I went to a music festival with like a, a month month and a half ago, and she was talking about how she feels. She often feels like she's not 
made for this world or like she doesn't fit in or like doesn't think like a lot of like a lot of other people and, and you know she's been struggling a bit with motivation and like really getting getting started and doing things because she's just a little bit frustrated uh and feels like feels like an outsider and oh what's the point you know it's the 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 masses are moving this way and what what could i do about it you know what i mean mm -hmm. um what do you say if someone is feeling down, depressed, low energy, you know, they know they got to do stuff, but they're exhausted and they don't have the discipline or the structure. Like, where do they even start? What do they need to do to, to light a fire in their belly? That's a good question. I ask that frequently, but before I answer that question, I just want to make this aside. Everybody feels like they're on the outside. I'd like to see the one person says, yeah, I'm in the middle of things. I know what's happening. I'm right. In the th I, I get it. I'm in the, I'm in the crowd. Everybody feels like they're on the outside. Everybody feels that they're different. Everybody feels like they're standing outside the, the circle somehow. And so that's something we should all appreciate a little bit. Everybody feels not lacking in confidence. I have a boatload of confidence, but I don't go anywhere and think, oh, I'm so confident. I think I hope somebody talks to me. <laughs> Just like everybody else, right? Everybody's like that. So I would say that first of all. But that aside, um, here's the place. The, uh, and our, a lot of our media has helped us believe this is the way it's supposed to be done. But we think I need to be, I'm here and I need to be way over there. Maybe I need to lose 20 pounds. I need to get my career over here or my relationships like this. And I just need, if I could just get over there, then I'll be better. But I don't know how it's too big of a gap. It is too big of a gap. And we think that we're supposed to just be able to get from here to there instantly somehow like i should manifest it and think it or whatever it is that the society i should be like the startups and started started business in my garage and six months later i'm you know bill gates or something it feels like that's how it, but the reality is that there's only one way and that's one step at a time it's the only way we get to anywhere but the coolest thing is you just start with something you start with one baby step but these steps compound darren hardy wrote the compound effect a super good book that's a good principles uh they compound if you just get started and the coolest part is that happiness comes in the journey now it's an old trite saying but it's true we are happy when we're progressing towards our potential this is what makes us happy when we are backsliding we have got anxiety we've got depression we're stuck we're unhappy the opposite is moving forward we all know being stuck's miserable but not enough people are talking about just start. So I would say to your friend, just start. I started with little baby steps. Just start with one habit or two habits that you want to do every day or start. Just that would be the best thing. Start with one or two habits that you would like to develop and then add and add. And the happiness will come within days, if not the first day. Mm, that's good. All right. So almost just pick from some of the things that we've discussed here that, yeah. could, that you think could help you progress and grow physically, spiritually, intellectually, and then do them every day. Yeah. You know, when I ask people what, what daily habit would they like? Cause that's their life. I don't say you should have these daily habits. What mm -hmm. do you want to do? It's interesting that they all choose from a pool, of maybe six or eight habits, maybe not even that many. Everybody will start with like maybe prayer, maybe meditation, workout, uh, getting up on time. That might be one that's kind of gets in there a little bit so they can do the other things, reading mm -hmm. uh, devotional kinds of things, those type of things. They all pick those kind of things. Uh, but pick what's what's where you want, where you feel benefit you the best, and then just start with that. And then, or that you think you could wrap your head around. And then when you got that one down, if you track it, get the tracking sheet. If you track it, watch those little checks add up. Mm -hmm. 
that's also a little don't you get actually the same kind of dopamine release you get from checking your cell phone. Although usually that's a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, you get that little dopamine release every time you put that check and you start feeling happier and better and progressing. And then you'll want more and more and more and more. And it becomes almost like an addiction. I love it. Do you have any habits that you've applied for clients that are in marriages um, or relationships where they're not connecting with their partner the way that they used to? Or, you know, life is kind of getting in the way and they're not physically intimate anymore. Or, you know, it's one of those once a month things. Mm. Is that something that can be broken down into habits? Is it like, hey, you got to schedule a date night at least once a month, but preferably once a week. And you need to, you know, court your, your yes. spouse, you know, like what, what do you do for those people? Because it's so easy once you get married to get in a rut and a pattern especially like I know a lot of entrepreneurs that are married to one another and they, they work together all day and there's just, there's no separation. They work in one room of their house. They live in the rest of their house and it's easy to let the intimacy kind of slip away as you're satisfying the, the, the financial and, and otherwise needs of your family. That one, that intimate relationship, that spousal relationship or however you want to label that, that has more power for fulfillment in life than any other thing we can do outside of maybe a relationship with God, but it also can cause us the most amount of misery. Um, there's some things you can track, of course, but that reason I we, I don't support smart goals is there's some things that are so valuable like this you're talking about that you really can't track. You could track the weekly date, but you can't really track the effort you put into it. So there's another practice that I teach. I told you about daily written affirmations. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're so valuable because these are like the bomb for changing these kinds of things. These things that are too big and too important and too difficult to track. Like if you dumb that all the way down to something you can track, you'll lose the whole thing. You've got this image, this intimacy you want. You can't, you can't track that. But yeah, what you can it's, do it's is you can affirm. It's helped by like, you know, okay, we have to have sex X amount of times per week. That doesn't necessarily do it. That doesn't correlate no. with intimacy. It's just a, you're no. like, oh, we got to check this This is exactly why. Smart goals, smart goals don't work even small, all the time, even for action steps. Yeah. So, but what can work is if you, and this, this changes us, um, we'll get into too deeply, but what changes us at a fundamental subconscious level, as well as the conscious level, we change. And if it, so people will practice this and do it the way I outline it in the book, it will change your life. I would, if I had one thing I would never miss ever, ever, if I just could pick one thing, I'd write my affirmations really? because yeah, because they will change us in fundamental ways that we can't consciously change ourselves so i might write um depending on what i want they have to be powerful but maybe you would write i am intimate with my spouse i make my spouse a priority in in word and deed um i i would say one thing you could do is pray for help if you're a prayer pray for help because i find that prayer is almost always always answered when i want my desire my love to feel it for my husband or my children, it always is answered. So you could do that's one thing you could track, but write some kind of an affirmation that is what you want to have. Very specific, very positive. And the, when you write it, you're like, yeah, I want that. Use language, strong language. And make, maybe write two or three of different things. This is a really important area. And you, nobody, you know, they've done studies on this. Like people who get divorced, most of the time they wish they would regret it. This is worth working on. If you love this person, and, but of course, at the end of the day, who do you really work on? You can work on the relationship. The number one thing you do is work on yourself and not wish the other person would change because that is a love. And 
there are a lot of situations and maybe you've experienced this with clients where one person is very growth and progress oriented um, into personal development and perhaps the other person not as much. And because like people get married and sometimes, you know, neither yeah. of them are into it. And then one person gets into it and they start almost outgrowing the other person. And that, that right? can you, happen. You can you look at the compound effect of someone doing what you're talking about every morning. They're praying, they're writing their affirmations, they're meditating, they're journaling, you know, they're planning their day. And then someone who doesn't, they're going to be in two completely different places in a year or two. This is going to make me really unpopular, <laughs> but that's a problem. And what I've observed is if a woman starts down this path, a man will typically want to catch up and they'll, they'll, they'll usually come around because they don't want her to outgrow them. They want to be up there. And then at the end of the day, they'll think they were the one that invented it, which is cool. Totally great. It doesn't work very good in my observation. It can work the other way, but it doesn't as often, almost 100%. Well, I'd say anytime I'm working with women and they're in this situation, um, their spouse comes around and they're right there behind them. And I tell them, this will happen. You just hang in there. But with the other way around, I don't see it happen as often. I don't know why that is. The man is very progress and growth oriented. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the woman mm -hmm. doesn't. I know. I don't know why that is. And if you can figure that out, let me know. But you you watch, observe people that you know, um, and watch if the women don't as much. So to a little degree, maybe, but not like men will jump right on board. And um, again, they'll think that it was their idea, but it's fine. Um, but women, they don't seem to do it. And so you see a lot of unbalanced relationships where men have exceeded in their growth over women. and. I don't know how that works for them. Wouldn't wouldn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. So th this is um, <clears throat> it's kind of funny. We did an, an episode uh, two hundred and eighty three, overcoming trauma, demons, and self doubt. Um, Eric Rogers, who I had on, was describing he hit such a low point in his life. He was he was he'd driven his car to a forest preserve. He was living out of his car. He didn't have money for food. So he actually was like hunting squirrels and catching them with guitar strings, like setting snare traps with guitar strings and, and eating squirrels and that sort of thing. And um, one of the biggest turning points for him was he actually thought about his wife having sex with another man and like leaving him and then taking their kid and then you know, getting with another man and having a, another life. And he's like, the pain of that was so great that I got my stuff together and I decided mm -hmm. I needed to turn my life around. Cause I did not want that, you know? So when you bring That's that up, it makes me wonder how many guys yeah. like it, it consciously or subconsciously think about their woman with another man as she's like pulling away. And they're like, Oh no, that is awful. I will listen to some, some, uh, Brian Tracy tapes or some Zig Ziglar and start working harder you know yeah no i think that i think you're onto something there a little bit because also well this is going to make me unpopular too <laughs> i've observed in my observation when men leave a relationship they don't typically do it unless they have another relationship to go to like mm -hmm. even if this one's really bad they'll make sure they've got a soft place to land on the other side women will walk away i think mm -hmm. what women don't seem to need the marriage is bad once they've married they want to be married early on. It seems like women push the marriage thing, but when women walk away and they often will be fine. They may marry, they may not, or they may not ever. I don't seem to have the need. And this has been proven out statistically too, by the way. Um, 
so I'm thinking perhaps a man might be more motivated to keep up because he wants to hold the marriage. And that might be true. I, I'm not saying that's the truth, but I'm just thinking on my feet here. That might be what you're saying might be one reason. Might not just be sleeping with another man, but just to think that he might be, she might outgrow him, might keep him. I think that really happens. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can edit this part out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I think I think I'm making that part up. <laughs> exploring things and like I, you know, I've got a few more things that I'd love to explore, and then we'll kind of land this plane and bring it home. But um, how, like, how do you craft affirmations, right? So someone that that wants to get into the affirmation game, um, I mean, I've got certain audios. I've got I've got a, a, a audio recording from John Asraf, who is in the that movie The Secret, and you know, you listen to yeah. it, and it plays tones, and he. You know, I'm, I'm don't a genius and I use my wisdom daily. You know what I mean? I'm sitting yeah, in a don't sauna. Use somebody I'm a genius. Else's. Right. And it's, it yeah. doesn't feel like yours. So no. it's, it's, it isn't yours. And you, you don't need that person's hit. You know, that's good for him, but that's not you. Right. You know what you want. So this, there's part of my book, obviously about this, but let me just give you a real quick. So it's so valuable that maybe somebody listening will never read the book. They might still practice this. You write them down. You do it in writing. There's a great power in, and with a pencil or pen and paper, not in your phone. You write them and you write them as if they already were and they're always in the positive. In other words, you wouldn't write, I am debt free because an emphasis is debt. You are, I'm financially independent, right? So you want to make sure that they're in the positive, in the present, but you got to use language that's powerful too. Nobody else is going to read them. So it doesn't matter if the words don't even work, if it works for you. So you want really strong language. And I've found that people need at least five or six usually a little seven or eight or better to feel like it's valuable, but not more than a dozen because then it gets to be too many. And, um, and you, you just, you write them, pray over them if you're a prayer, that helps, but just mm -hmm. do it every day. And I have also observed that if I was to, this is why I do this number one practice, no matter what, if I miss a day, I feel like I backslide. Mm -hmm. And I've had some of the same ones for a long time because I don't want, I'm afraid I'll lose what I gained. Mm -hmm. Like in this conversation, for good example, I, I don't laugh very much, but you see how much I laugh all the time. That was an affirmation. I've come from a person who doesn't laugh. So now I laugh too much. I think I laugh too much on the interview because I got to quit. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, I don't I can't think anyone's thinking that. that. <laughs> I think I laugh too much. But that anyway, so that was an affirmation. I like bug. it so much that I still <laughs> write it. It's been like probably 15 years I've been writing this one. But I think, what if I lose ground? So anyway, just positive, uh, specific. I listen. I listen to the end. I ask questions rather than give advice. These are ones that are in mind. Um, I'm competent. I'm strong. I laugh. I smile. I love it. I'm aware of my thoughts. I look for the good. See those kind of things. Very specific. The more specific, the better. And then you, should, every, then, you know, you might change them up here and there. You might outgrow one or want to add one or maybe reword them here and there. But as day to day, you write the same ones. It only takes once you come up with them. It only takes about a minute. They, they will change your life. And what do you tell someone who wants to be more present and more aware, uh, more mindful in their life, but the times they've tried meditation, they hate it. And, uh, and it's like, it, or, or maybe they feel a little bit of a benefit, but they just have not made it something that they I do. I think hate. people hate it because they think they're supposed to sit down and be successful. It's hard. But if you remember what you're trying to do, and then we get, we're frustrated because we're, it's frustrating because you're, thoughts wander well they're supposed to wander 
Mm-hmm. The whole point of meditation is to bring them back. Don't do somebody else's meditation either. I talk to people like I meditate. Well, they're listening to some kind of calming app or something. That's fine, but it's not meditation. Right. Meditation are two things, as I as in in my opinion, and as I understand it. One is to do one thing at a time and be aware of your thoughts. So there's different ways you can do it. You can read a book called uh, How to Meditate by Lawrence Lashon, written in the 70s. Really gives a lot of different ways you can do it. Uh, most of it requires, I think, effective, some kind of body awareness because your body's an important part of the process. But it, the whole thing is, you, you, oh, I'm thinking that. Okay, let's bring it back. Oh, no, look, I'm thinking that. Okay, bring it back instead of beating ourselves up over it. But meditation is the way. If you want to do it, I don't know any other way. But there are some other meditations. Julia Cameron offers a really good one. A lot of my clients do um, to start. And it's a written, it's a stream of consciousness, three pages. You write it every day. It's three pages. Yeah, she wrote so that's a good way pages, to start. Right? Yeah, the morning pages, exactly. The morning do you, do you count that as meditation? I can't because, why? Because you're doing one, thinking one thing at a time and you're mm-hmm. being aware of your thoughts. But it's a good way to get people into it. So right now, I have a number of clients, it's a game changer for them. And that will lead them to, when, they're, when they get through this, it's like a brain dump for a while. Mm-hmm. They'll calm them down and then they'll be able to do regular meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. And they might do that and then meditate. But it's still a meditation because mm-hmm. you're doing one thing at a time and you're aware of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. If, if there was like one thing in your book, Life Mastery, that you wish the world knew, or, or, or perhaps a mistake that many people make that, um, you know, if, if they did things differently, like, like you recommend, they would have far superior results. What's, what stands out? Like, what's, oh, so what's the highlight of your book for you? Highlight for me is this. This is the, the, the overriding principle that I wish everyone would understand is that we all want to be happy. I mean, this is a given universal. We all want to be happy and we wish we were happier. Happiness comes from personal progression, from moving forward to your potential. Even the tiniest step forward, happiness comes. Backsliding is misery. Forward movement is happiness. So it's not getting the right spouse. It's not getting the right outfit. It's not getting the right job. It's personally, as a human being, being a little better, closer to my potential than I was yesterday. Just a tiny little bit. That's where happiness will come from. And, and potential, it. like how do you break that down? Is this your, your body, how you look physically, your energy levels, your cognition? Is it your spirituality, your all relationship? Of with all of it. All, we're this whole being with all of these things. Mm-hmm. And we got to move forward as a whole person. So it's, we're going to move forward a little bit this, with this thing and this thing, and then maybe this thing, this thing, and this thing. Move forward with something. And then the others will follow. Usually, the physical, usually the physical first, and everything will follow after. In my experience, yeah. Um, but yeah, you start with the physical, and then you say, "What else can I do?" You start to feel powerful as you get that and lined out, and uh, you'll be like, "What else can I do?" And uh, do you track your progress in some way? Like, do you track your weight, or do you take pictures of yourself, or do you like, or is it more of a feeling? Yes, I'm progressing. I'm I'm doing the work, and I'm progressing physically, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally. Um, well, you know, or, or is it, is it, is well, it Peter Drucker said, like it's measured, gets managed. Right. So the exactly. tracking sheets, so yeah. those tracking sheets I do and what every month I fill out a new one and I do that. Um, and they keep a satisfaction checklist. I encourage my, my clients to do this, tracking the things that you've accomplished and then saving those lists for every quarter of the things you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. So things like that. Uh, I do not, it's a bad habit to track your weight. It makes you obsessed with food and your weight. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of that. This is as a fitness professional. I'm telling you this. Mm-hmm. I don't track my weight, but tracking your measurements. If you want to track something, track your 
uh, your body composition. How much muscle do you have? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to lose this percentage of fat rather than I'm going to lose this many pounds. The scales are a, a trap. Um, so you can track some things that way. Um, once you get on a program, though, see, this is the beauty of habits. If I do these, I know that if I do this thing, this thing, and this thing, my weight will take care of itself. Then I can quit thinking about it. Just every day, I'm going to work out. I'm going to eat like this. I'm going to do that every day. And then I don't have to think about it anymore because it's going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. This is why a lot, one of my favorite things to speak on is why habits are more important than goals. Mm. Once you're good at the habits, knowing how to do the no, why systems are more important than goals. I'm sorry, why systems are more important than goals. If you have a system, you can practically skip the goal part. You know what you want. I'm going to put this in my, I'm going to do this in affirmations and I'm going to do this in my tracking and what I want will happen. You know it will. If I work out intently for 45 minutes every day and I eat, I don't eat flour, sugar, processed foods or soda, I'm good. You're going to get there. Then you don't have to think about it anymore. If I pray every day and I read my devotional every day, am I going to develop a relationship? Yeah, it's going to just happen, mm-hmm. right? So systems are more important than goals, and that's what trips a lot of people up. They feel like failures when they set the goals, when the problem was they didn't have good systems. I love it. I love it. Last question before I kind of give you the mic and see if there's anything that you, you feel called in your heart to share with our audience at this time. Um, do you think it is possible to grow and progress and and step into the best version of yourself if you sleep until 10 or 11 a.m and stay up late like what what role do you think uh our circadian rhythm and early to bed and i mean so we've got benjamin franklin with early to bed early to rise and then there's stuff coming out that they found like 15 bodies in this dude's basement and like all sorts of weird stuff around him and i'm like well, who are we modeling our life after? Was this guy possibly a serial killer? And like, now we're quoting him all the time and building our life around him. You know what I mean? So like, what, what are your thoughts on the importance of, of rising early and going to bed early versus, you know, people like Conor McGregor, who he became like the two-time UFC world champion, first person to win belts in two different weight classes. And he would go to bed at two, three, four in the morning and wake up at 11, you know, he'd stay up playing video games and this and that, you know what I mean? Is he just an anomaly? If you yeah. have control of your life, if you're, this is just, uh, if you can, first of all, you can decide when to go to bed, when to get up. I think a lot of this is, is I mean, we're, we have got a lot of power. We don't, not at the whim of our circadian rhythms. Right. We have habits, but, but you, your lifestyle, I remember reading a story about very successful guy who was a record uh, recorder, recorded famous artist. And uh, he's in Tim, one of Tim Ferriss's books, can't tell you his name, but Rick Rubin? His, maybe I don't, can't remember who it was, yeah. but his lifestyle really required that he'd be up at night for mm-hmm. his work. And so if he's going to bed at a hour that he decides in advance and he gets up eight hours later or seven hours later, whatever, mm-hmm. then that's going to work for you. I mean, I don't know if that's going to work for you. If it's not, interfering with the other goals that fit your lifestyle. Uh, if you're saying playing video games, I think oh, that's really a waste of time. But um, <laughs> so yeah, you can pick your own, but you do have to sleep. And it should be rather it's like this is the difference is I don't eat sugary things like desserts. Mm-hmm. But I could eat a dessert, but it would be my decision. It would be like, oh that looks good. I think this time I'm going to give into that, right? Mm-hmm. I decide if I'm going to eat it or not. Mm-hmm. And I don't decide on a whim just because it looks really good. Mm-hmm. I decided in advance, would I eat that or not? I'm not eating that. 
So if you decide this is my lifestyle, I'm going to go to bed this time and do this thing, then it's fine. I, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I don't think it really matters. What's early for, I'm retired now. I don't get up as early anymore. I get up at 7.30 or 8 instead of 5.30 or 6. Mm-hmm. Um, but I go to bed later. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? It's, a, it's structured. You're the one deciding and you're structuring it that way deliberately. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Love it. And guys, if you're enjoying this conversation with Sherry Fernandez, you can support her by picking up her book, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Towards an Infinite Potential on Amazon, or you can go to her website, which uh, I believe she said, what was that website again? I have it written here. Somewhere. Life Mastery Info. Life, Life Mastery, Life Mastery Info. Info.com. Yeah. Dot com. Life and you can get her tracking info. sheets and, and join her email mm-hmm. list. So Sherry, last question. Let's imagine you have the ears of the world. You know, the, the people that are on this journey of, of wanting to become the best version of themselves and step into their potential and, and perhaps feel a little bit lost at times um, or, or like an outsider. Um, what, you know, if you, if you had the microphone for a minute or two minutes and, and the ears of the world, what would you say right now? Oh, this life is so filled with so many beautiful and marvelous things and so many things to be and become and touch and see and do and feel. And it just requires moving forward. It's just worth it. It's worth it. It's worth the the daily work to be the best version of yourself because it it allows you to touch so many other things. Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. And and uh, exactly. Yeah, I appreciate appreciate your flexibility and generosity. Um, outside of lifemasteryinfo.com and and picking up uh, your book, Life Mastery on Amazon. Where can people stay? up to date with things you're working on and upcoming projects well of course we're on facebook on facebook page life mastery mentoring and um well podcasts <laughs> i do a lot of those <laughs> and that would be that would be it I, i'm still mostly retired so the book's on audible the book's uh, on amazon and the website we have the website and those and then facebook and i think i have an instagram account somebody runs for me somewhere <laughs> awesome. well that's as good as but you can call me you can call me or, or um email me. I'm really accessible. I make myself really, because it's kind of my jam is to make people's world go around. So you can call me. I won't charge you. <laughs> you can text me or, or, um, or email me. And I'm Sherry at lifemasteryinfo.com. S-H-E-R-R-Y at lifemastery. And you can, I'll, I'll respond. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing, Sherry. And thank you for coming on and, and sharing your wisdom and energy and time with myself and, and our audience. I've certainly enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, me I think, too. I think it was a good interview. Well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. So in early 2022, almost out of nowhere, I started experiencing massive changes in my body and mental health. My hair was thinning and falling out faster than ever before. I was experiencing mood fluctuations. I was putting on body fat, losing strength and muscle mass. I was even having a harder time remembering certain people's names and things that I knew I knew. My face looked older and I had more wrinkles and there was a noticeable decrease in my sex drive. And then one of the guests that I had on our podcast introduced me to a product called BioPro Plus that naturally boosts your IGF-1 and human growth hormone levels. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out episode 265 on how to increase HGH, boost libido, and experience 68% better recovery with Dustin Baker. BioPro Plus contains a combination of 
powerful, natural ingredients for boosting HGH, human growth hormone, and IGF-1, like elk antler, tribulus, and shilajit, all in their purest and most potent forms. What's interesting is elk antlers are the only mammalian appendage capable of continuous regeneration. These antlers grow an inch or more per day and have the fastest growth rate of any organ in the animal kingdom. I started taking one glass vial every morning and holding it under my tongue for 90 seconds before swallowing. And before I'd even finished my first kit, I was getting compliments on my skin and how I looked five to 10 years younger. You can even go back and look at some of my social media videos from earlier this year and you'll see how big of a difference there is. Since then, my energy has increased. I feel more motivated. My libido and sex drive came back. I've been losing fat. I'm stronger and recovering faster from my workouts and my hair is coming in thicker and it even stopped falling out. If my story resonates with you, I highly recommend you try BioPro Plus for yourself. When you feel it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And for a limited time, you can save $30 on your order by going to bioproteintech.com and entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-P-R-O-T-E-I-N-T-E-C-H.com and discount code B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. 